Thank you for joining us today for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to continue in the series entitled The Book of James. This is part number eight. One another, brethren, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Now, we've talked a little bit about uh, not being judgmental before, right? This is not the only place in the Bible where we read about that. And uh, we've talked about how important it is, how important it is to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, right? And if we are spending our time doing the word as we should be, then we don't have any time really to look at what somebody else is doing, right? And when we talked about last week, the wars were wars and quarrelings uh, among us, and we um, looked at how we're at war within ourselves between uh, the old nature and the new nature is at war, and if we are successfully fighting that battle, uh, then we're not at war with God, uh, and then we won't be at war with each other. But with all of that going on, knowing and searching ourselves for what's in our hearts and dealing with the things that we have going on, if we are doing that, then it won't be a problem for us to not judge somebody else. But it's when we take our eyes off of ourselves and start looking at other people is where we mess up. But isn't that true in life, in every area, when we start looking, spend more time looking at everybody else and what's going on with them? Because we start comparing, we just can't help ourselves. That's like one of the basic things they tell you when you're gonna be a parent, right? Don't compare your child to someone else's child, but then you spend your whole, your whole um, time doing that, don't you? And even when you take them to the doctor, they compare them to other children to see if they're progressing at the level they should be. So that's a constant thing that we have, uh, but what we should instead uh, is compare ourselves as we are today to how we were yesterday. So when you feel the need to compare, just compare present you to past you, and you're okay, just not to our neighbors. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about judges. We're going to go over and have a little, we're going to sit y'all in a law class for a minute, have a little law class going on. So when he's telling us about not being judges of others, this is what, what we're thinking, which is what we should be thinking about. Now, if you've ever been in a courtroom, hopefully it was just to watch the proceedings and not because you were involved, um, you'll notice the judge, not hard to, to spot the judge in the room, right? But the role of the judge, what is that person doing? Um, the judge, first of all, has to know the law. What laws are being discussed that day? You got to know the law. The judge is going to be the person that interprets the law, because not only do we know what it says, we have to know what that means. If somebody says it's against the law to jaywalk, well, you got to know what does that mean? That means you're not supposed to cross, you know, except for in the designated crosswalk areas. Um, so there has to be some interpretation of the law, some giving of understanding to what law is at place. So you have to know it. Then the judge is going to interpret it. And then the judge also applies that law. Okay. Uh, in that, you know, if they have somebody come before them that in fact did cross uh, outside the crosswalk, then he can say, okay, here's a set of facts. You crossed the street, 
you were over in this area, you should have been in this area, this is how that law applies to you. So that's what the judge uh, is going to do. Now, he's doing that as it relates to the person, when I say he, you know, he or she, judges can be women, for those of you who didn't know that. Uh, It's just easier to say he, okay? All right, the brethren, uh, the people uh, that have been uh, called up before him. Now, remember the, the book of James, or the letter of James was written to who? To Christians. So this is not as it relates to somebody that's not born again. These are all the information that he's telling us, and to not be judgmental of other people, and to love, and to look inside um, our own hearts. He's talking to people who've already accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we're all on the same page here. This church folk, okay? So the brethren are fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so the judge is going to uh, observe or sort of review the actions of the brethren. He's going to analyze those actions. And then he's going to make a determination. Now, when we judge people, we don't specifically, you don't in your mind say, okay, step one, let me look at what they've done. I'm going to analyze what they've done. Hmm. And now I'm going to make a determination. We don't take ourselves through those steps, but we realize that's what being judgmental is, right? You're looking at what somebody's doing or listening to what somebody else has said that they've done, and you're thinking about that thing, and then you're determining, right? And what do we, they can't be saved. You must mean, you know, they can't be a Christian. You're making some determination based on your observations. So when you go before a judge, that's what the judge is doing. They're they're observing, when you're in a courtroom, the accuser of the brethren um, over here, in our criminal justice system, we call that the prosecutor, uh, that's the person who's saying that there's even something that went wrong. Now, who was supposed to be, who was the accuser of the brethren from a spiritual standpoint? Right, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So when we do this job, when we present somebody and say that they are in violation of the law, whose job are we taking? Is that whose job you want to be taking? Because I don't want the pay he gets for his job, right? So think about that the next time we accuse somebody, you know, whose job am I trying to take over? He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. He does his job effectively all on his own. But the accuser of the brethren comes before uh, God or comes before others and says, this is Billy Bob so-and-so. This is what he's done. This is the law that applies to that situation. He's, in fact, broken that law. And what's the last thing that the judge does after he determines, uh, after he's done all this, well, then he renders a verdict of what? Guilty or innocence? And if you're guilty, then he hands out the appropriate punishment. Now, from a spiritual standpoint, are any of us authorized to hand out any punishments to anybody? We don't have a heaven we can put anybody in. We don't have a hell we can put anybody in. So if I can't mete out any punishment, 
What is the point of me even making a determination of guilt or innocence? Can I even do that? Because how are we found innocent? It's by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? We've all, we're all guilty, um, but we are reckoned righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, is that something that I'm going to be able to look at you and physically see? If I, you know, come in here and y'all are physically covered in some blood, I'm, while I'm on my way out the door, I will be calling 911 because there's a problem. Right. So I'm not going to be able to look at any Christians and physically see that they are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. But that's something that takes place on the inside. So do you see how inadequate we are to even do this? So why take our time to do that? Why waste time when we can instead be introspective to what is going on? Why am I so hateful? Why am I so harsh? Why am I so bitter? What is going on in me that every time I look, because if you ever notice, you ever, like when you first get a car, then, or you know somebody that gets a car. Like, I never saw those little Honda Fits until I met the Kellys and they have one. And now it's like everybody in town has one. And it's like a dark, and I'm like waving, I'm like, oh, that's not them. You know, <laughs> so there's no, ta- you know, and then like the Dodge Charger. I didn't even re- I mean, I'd heard, but I didn't even know what kind of car that was until Angie got one. My sister got one. Now everybody is following me on I-20 in those things, and they're black. So I'm honking and waving at strain, and they're like, crazy lady? You know, my own car. I don't know how many times I have tried to walk towards and get in somebody's car. Oh, not my. So that was one of the reasons I was encouraged to learn my license plate number. <laughs> So I wouldn't be approaching a strange person's car. Same thing, if there's some particular sin that seems to be popping out at you everywhere you turn, you may want to check yourself because that could be something that's in you, right, that you are dealing with, and now it becomes evident everywhere you turn, people are lying on somebody else. Well, maybe you need to stop and think, hmm, Do I play fast and loose with the truth? That may be something that's going on in you. So when things like that come to mind, our first instinct should be to pray. Because I would hope that if somebody is seeing something in me, that rather than go and tell everybody, why not help me pray through this thing? Because I don't want to walk around with all that icky in my heart, right? And I don't want to go around mistreating people and being, you know, slanderous and all this kind of thing. I don't want to be that. I want to be kind. I want to be loving. I want to be compassionate. Sometimes it's not easy to be that. So we need all the help and prayer we can get. But when we put ourselves in the position of judge, when we're judging people, this is what we're doing. We are spending our time observing what they do and we are analyzing their actions and then we're trying to remember which of God's laws that applies to and how and whether they've broken uh, that law and then what is the appropriate punishment. Who is most qualified to know what God's laws are? God. And to know whether or not it's been broken? God. And to know whether or not punishment is in fact necessary uh, and that it is necessary for them. So why don't we let God do his business? And then accusing the brothers, why don't we let Satan do his business? 
And how about we just take care of ourselves observing our own actions and analyzing our own actions and praying that God will in fact find us innocent or that he will say, you know what, you were guilty of this, but you're gonna be pardoned. And spend time focused on ourselves, right? Much, much better use of our time. So let's remember that the next time, because it will come up before you leave today. You will have the opportunity to look at what somebody has done, to look at what somebody has said, to look at what somebody is wearing, and you will have that opportunity to either pass judgment on them or just say, you know what, Tamika, what's going on with you today? What you got? What you got going on? So we may all be kind of walking around talking to ourselves a little bit because you, maybe that's what we need to do. If you see something, you're like, they're so hateful. Oh, wait, why am I? Am I hateful? Do I mistreat people? Am I talking ugly? Why would I do that? What's wrong with me? Why would I even say? Why would I automatically go to the negative? You know, and just sort of stop yourself and say, why am I getting all upset? Why am I getting angry? Have you ever done that? I've been in a situation to where I'm thinking, even to myself, I'm thinking, Dude, you are overreacting. What is going on? You don't ever know. It's like a hot button issue. Like if you've ever had a bruise on your arm and you didn't know you had a bruise, somebody hit you in that spot. And as you were rearing back to hit them, you're like, wait, what am I doing? Why am I hitting you? I shouldn't be behaving that way, right? So we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be accuser. We want to uh, instead love our brothers. Remember what we talked about um, last week, One, an example that I gave with Sister Norma, that if I come in and she snaps at me, if I say hello to her and she snaps at me, instead of, you know, getting all like, why, she, she know who I am, why is she speaking to me that way? Maybe instead, take a step aside and say, you know what, that's not normally her behavior. There must be something going on with her. Maybe I should pray a little bit more for her, send up a prayer, because she's obviously at war within herself. Because when you are at war, when you have a lot going on, we're short-tempered, aren't we? When, you are, when you're just not feeling your best, if you're sick, if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you're whatever, you get cranky. Now, I can feel it usually when my cranky's coming on. And I, I try to you know, tell people, you know, my family, I'm um, sorry, y'all, I'm a little bit cranky. I'm just going to go to my room, you know, because I know that I'm compromised and I may say something that I don't need to say. But sometimes you can't catch the cranky before it comes on. And then you'll have said something, you're like, that felt good, but I really should not have said that. It would be different, you know, if it didn't always feel good to say it. But sometimes it feels good. What, Brother Kelly? Sometimes it feels good just to say it. And you know you should not be behaving that way. Because we know, what is it that Corinthians tells us? Love keeps no record of wrongs. And so when we find ourselves making a little mental note, hmm, okay, that's, that's, what you, that's how you want to play that one. Uh, I'm going to hold on. <laughs> what? <laughs> right, before you go off, like, okay, that's strike one. I, I got you, I'm watching. Or you get it and you hold on to it and you don't address the situation until weeks later when finally you've had enough and then you pull out with some stuff and they're like, what are you talking about? 
you know what you said. You know, that's keeping a record of wrong. So if somebody has done something to you and it offended you, it's usually, but if you have to take a minute to go and settle down and then come back so you can calmly say, you know, when you did this, I, and, and let's just take, you know, ownership of it. I was offended because I've had to do that. I've had to tell my husband, Lord bless his soul. When you did thus and so, I was offended. And usually he's like, huh, what are you talking about? And then, you know, you have to describe the whole situation. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I know you didn't, because I know you. But I just needed you to know that I was offended. So then we can move forward. Because what happens when you don't confess that kind of thing? Whether or not you intend for it to, it builds up, right? It builds up, it builds up. And then you'll have the slightest little thing to happen in your whole house just erupts and it goes crazy. So let's be brothers and sisters enough with each other. That's one of the things about family that's supposed to be so great is that family should be resilient. I should be able to, if I've been offended by you, um, Elder Ware and I sometimes don't agree on some things. And sometimes we disagree loudly. Sometimes so that Pastor Stroud was like, I'm just gonna walk out of the room, I just can't. <laughs> It gets a little tense, but when we are finished disagreeing, okay, you want to go shopping? <laughs> Let's go shopping because it's, that's just it. I don't say, you know, you are no longer my mother. You are dead to me. That would, that would be crazy, right? You disagree, you work it out, and then you move on. Being members of the body of Christ, we are supposed to be family. So if we disagree, we're going to disagree because we're different people. I hope that you all don't agree with everything I have to say all the time because that gets to be very boring. You should have your own opinions about some things. Now, we're, of course, we're always respectful in how we express those opinions, but you know we should feel free to do that. And then if we disagree, we disagree, but do we don't love each other any less. We don't stop spending time together you know, and doing things together. Okay, now, part two of this, chapter, uh, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't plan? No. That does not mean that at all. Uh, the Bible tells us about being good stewards over our resources, and time is one of our resources. So we should have a plan for our lives. You should know, uh, you know, if you have children, some kind of plan for what you want to, you know, if you're planning for them to go to college, well, then there's some things they're going to have to do before they graduate from high school, you know, to, to try to make that a little bit more uh, possible chance of happening. Uh, if you want to own a home, well, then that starts by getting a job you know, and keeping a job and keeping your credit. You know, you can't, we, Pastor John and I met with this uh, one couple um, one time and we were doing some, you know, just basic goals. What's, what's your goals as a family? Uh, they were living in an apartment at the time. 
Um, one of them, only one, they only had one income and it was really, barely enough to make ends meet. And so we were like, what are your goals? How do you plan to get out of this situation? And so the guy was like, well, um, we're not gonna live in this apartment forever. Want us to have, you know, a five bedroom brick house. And he was like, that's gonna be our goal for next year. And even the wife looked at him like, what? Dude, you don't have a job. Anyway, so <laughs> that was an unreasonable plan, right? Because if you can, or, or you know, just barely making it and struggling here, and you don't have anything set aside and no goals to work to do. He wasn't planning on getting a job. That wasn't a desire he had, but he wanted a five-bedroom brick home. I don't know how you make that happen. So it's good to have a plan, but what it's telling us here um, is that we have to realize that God has a plan, the will of God. Not like the last will and testament, so we'll say God's plan. God has a plan for each of us. We can ignore God's plan. We can disobey God's plan. Or we can obey God's plan. Which of these three you think is going to be better for you? Obey. Obey. Now, how do we ignore God's plan? We don't even acknowledge him. This is my life. I have it planned out. This is what I'm going to do. Going to have this. Going to do this. This is, this is my life. You know, God's up there doing his thing. I'm down here doing my thing. Those two things have nothing to do with each other. We don't even ask him what his plan is. And if somebody else tries to tell us, that don't even apply to me. I got this. When it gets to something I can't handle, then I'll go and ask God if he'll take care of that. But the day-to-day, I got this. We may not say that, but have you ever done that? I've done that. I'm guilty of that, that, you know, I don't even acknowledge him in a certain area. I just, this is, I can do this. This, was, this is within my skill set. I don't have, you know, and I was, I was really, you know, I was humble about it. This is within my skill set. God, you have so much, I'm not even going to bother you. Sounded good at the time. But, you know, so we can ignore God's will altogether. Or we can disobey his will. He can tell us specifically what he wants us to do. But if it doesn't fit in with what we want, then we think, no, I don't think so. Not interested in going on any missionary trips. Thank you for the invite, but no. You know, and we can disobey, or we can obey God's will. Now, what we need to remember is that as we planned, Plan, sometimes plans change. Now, I had a plan that I was going to be a wealthy, successful attorney. <laughs> Didn't quite turn out like that. Now, because I'm not dead yet, it could still happen somehow. But I am not wealthy. I'm not too happy about that either, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, I am an attorney, so that part came out. Uh, I am successful, just not in that area, because I don't really do that. But successful in that what I do, I'm pretty good at. I'll you know, do what needs to be done. But how did that plan change? I, I believe I acknowledged God, and, and law school was not a waste of time. It was a tremendous blessing to me in making me the person that I am now. There were some things that needed to be worked out that probably only that environment was able to work out in me so that I would have the confidence that I need to do what I do now. But somewhere along the way, 
Actually, before I finished law school, I was kind of like, you know, I'm probably not even going to practice law. And I started, y'all, not to even take the bar exam. I was like, it's, it's just going to be a waste of money. It's a huge expense to prepare and study for that. I'm like, there's no point in me because I'm not going to do that. I already knew at that point I wasn't going to do that. But, you know, there's wisdom in counsel. And so my husband's like, well, you might as well take the test. You've gone through all of this. You might as well take the test. So, you know, we went ahead and did that. So we can, if, you know, if God's will changes again, who knows what he has for my future. That is an option. And that, you know, license has come in handy uh, from time to time to do it. Opens a few doors or whatever. But where I am now is not where I saw myself being 10 years ago or 20. Okay, I'd have to take off my shoes to count how many years ago back there was when I was making that decision. But I'm in a different place because I didn't choose to ignore God's will. When he handed down a, a set of plans that were a little bit different from my own, I said, well, let me, you know, obey this. Now, I did it grudgingly a couple of times. I'm not going to lie to you. I've had my temper tantrums. If you weren't going to let me be a successful attorney, you all just dropped a bunk, bunch of money out of the sky. That was pretty much I was going to work for the paycheck. <laughs> he hadn't seen fit to do that. Unless, of course, the bucket of money dropped in one of y'all's yards. And then if you please would just let me know, I'll come and pick it up. Um, but we don't want to walk in disobedience because we need to know. It's kind of like the game of life. You ever played that board game, Life? And, you know, as you're going through, you, you know, depending on what card you draw, whatever you roll, what space you roll, different things happen. And your life goes down a different path. And all we can see are those few spaces right around us. Well, God is above the game board. Like Pastor Stroud was saying last week, he's above the maze. And he can see all of the turns and he can see where we are at the beginning and he can see where we need to be at the end and he can see the things that are going to come as distractions along the way. So if we just listen to what he has to tell us, then we can make the right turns. And sometimes that's difficult because we can't see it. And so he may be telling us to turn right and all we can see is, well, there's a... That's a dead end down there. What do you want me to go that way for? But what we don't know is that there's another little road right before the dead end that will lead us to where we need to go. So when we're acknowledging God, that's what James is telling us to do. Acknowledge God in our plans and listen for his direction. Because it may be that we are going this way for now. Um, and for me, the path to being a, a wealthy, successful attorney meant going to work at a law firm right out of law school. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that's not the only way to get there. There are plenty of people that detour career-wise and then come back at a different point. Who's to know at that age and at that point in my life, if I were just doing a job for the sake of money, what kind of compromises I would have made that I will not make later on in life. Um, an example that Elder Ware had given us, she is a licensed funeral director and mortician. Uh, that makes lovely dinnertime conversation when you're growing up in that house. Again, <clears throat> oh, the therapy bills I could have. But what she did when, when there was an opportunity for her to open a funeral home, there were lots of people that were willing to back her, but there were some things that were not quite so 
above board that would have been going on. And if she had taken those opportunities, because it may have would have met a need for her right then, she may have been susceptible to some things that now she's wiser and would not be. Uh, there were some things I remember we were, we were at a place, <laughs> we were making a, at a warehouse making a purchase for the food bank and there was, you know, the price was thus and so, but the guy there was like, oh no, I'll give it to you for a different price. Well, because she was so focused on what well, he's going to give us a discount, she didn't realize that what he was intending was a little, you give me some money on the side and I will meet you out back and you can get this item. And I'm like, oh, so when I came around, I'm like, oh no, no, no. She's like, I don't understand. What's wrong? He said he was going to give us a discount. I'm like, that's not what he said. She didn't get what this means. <laughs> so there are times when we have to, when we obey God, when we're listening to him, he knows what's going on. And we just trust him and follow his plan. He can see further than we can see. So it doesn't mean we don't have a plan for our life. You always need to plan. Uh, time is a valuable commodity. There's this one quote that I'd heard. Time should never be spent or wasted, but invested. So your time is important. Invest it. Have a plan. Know what you're going to do. And then acknowledge God and say, I want you to direct my path. I want you to lead me. I want my ears to be open so that if you tell me to turn right, that I'll turn right even though I'm focused on going straight. Any questions? Nope. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday School program. Next week we will pick up with chapter 5, and that is the final chapter of the book of James. So who knows if we cover it in one week or two, uh, and then after that I'm taking a break for a while because this is hard work. Thank you guys so much. You're dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.